Welcome back to the latest Grazia Life Advice and thanks as always for joining us. In this episode, we've got some great advice from a journalist and Radio 1 DJ. Hi, I'm Vic Hope. I am a broadcaster, TV and radio presenter and author and I'm this week's guest on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Vic Hope talks about what happens when things go wrong live on air and how being a broadcaster affects her personal life. I have been accused on dates of essentially interviewing them. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. So I think you kind of get quite used to driving conversations. She tells us about taking inspiration from Beyonce and it not quite working out as planned. You know, I'd seen her blonde hair and I thought, oh, well, you know, she's we've got a similar complexion. Maybe I can carry it off. Didn't want to go full blonde at Mm. the time. I thought it'd be a bit much. So I got highlights and they were basically like these stripes. And finally, we chat about hobbies versus side hustles and switching off from work. Personally, I love to paint. It's my creative pursuit that I'm not good, but it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it just takes my mind away because you have to focus on it. But it's a really lovely focus. All of that plus Strictly Come Dancing, accepting her nerdiness. And I get some tips on how to let loose. Hey Vic, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today. It's so nice to to see your lovely face. And yours, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, you seem to be super busy all the time, but um, particularly at the moment, it's obviously the Women's Prize coming up, which you're super involved in. What are you up to? Tell us a bit about your involvement in the Women's Prize and how are you feeling about this shortlist, which has just been announced? Yeah. I, I've been involved in the Women's Prize for a few years now. First, um, as a, the curator of their young adults reading list, um, going around schools around the country and youth centres and trying to get as many young girls into reading and also like inspiring them to write as possible. We had um, authors that we take into these youth centres and um, it sort of explain to them what the options are in literature and publishing and just see that as a, as a possible route that they could take. And then the following year, I was a judge on the Women's Prize for Fiction which was daunting and amazing in equal measures. I had personally, I think it was about 74 books to read in five months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But you know what? We were in peak lockdown. And if there's one positive to draw from that, it was there was nothing else to do. So escaping to loads of worlds when I couldn't actually leave my own four walls was quite a welcome pleasure. I can imagine. Um, oh, it was brilliant. And such an honour to to work alongside such brilliant women. We were chaired by Bernadine Evaristo. And to just read all these fantastic pieces of literature Uh, and now uh, following that I've taken over as host of the Women's Prize for Fiction podcast so every week I interview brilliant brilliant women about the five books that have made them have shaped them have accompanied their coming of age or have really inspired them or maybe activated their activism or made them who they are Um, and we've had some fantastic guests so far Doreen um Lawrence, who of course is Stephen Lawrence's mother, who's campaigned tirelessly for justice. We had Gina Miller, uh, the activist, who's just so inspiring. Joy Crooks recently, who I love, whose music is fantastic. So yeah, there's, there's lots of brilliant women and just lots of brilliant books by women. So if you're interested and you're looking for reading recommendations as well, it's a good place to go and it just makes you feel uplifted. Yeah, amazing. And well, we're turning the tables today and you are being interviewed on <laughs> podcast. So um, you're actually here to talk to us, not about books, but about your life advice. Mm. So your first piece of life advice is to enjoy every moment because it's over before you know it. A little bit depressing, 
Maybe. <laughs> you know what? It wasn't actually about life when I was first given that advice. It was about Strictly Come Dancing. So it's not so depressing that it starts okay. and then it is over for you. Know? So this advice was given to me by Daisy Lowe, who mm-hmm. had done the show, I don't think it was the year before, maybe it was the year before that. Um, and she got in touch with me and she was like, you know what? It will be over before you know it. So just enjoy it. And I thought, yeah, that's really simple. Of course I will. I don't need that advice. Like, of course I'm going to do that. And actually in practice, you completely forget. And I think this applies to so many things in life. Yeah, It's so fleeting. Things go so fast. And often we're constantly worrying about the future, worrying about the past, that we forget to take stock of what's happening in the present, to just live in the present and be on that ride. And I do look back on Strictly and think, I wish I'd kind of enjoyed it a little bit more while I was doing it because I was so nervous and I was Mm. so worried about how I was going to come across on TV and about dancing, something that is not my specialty in front of millions of people. Um, I was also really tired because I was doing a breakfast show at the time on Capital. So getting up at half four every day, doing the show and then going on to like eight hours of dance practice. So I didn't feel like I fully um, reveled in the sparkles and I wish I had. And actually I realised just how great that advice from Daisy was and she knew what she was talking about. And I think mm. now I just try and apply it to everything, whatever you're doing. Try not to worry too much about the future and the past and just enjoy the moment. A lot of things have happened in the last couple of years that have made us realise just how fleeting life is. And practising gratitude every day, um, being present has really changed the way I live I think for a lot of us our priorities have shifted and it's given me a sense of contentment so yeah Yeah. enjoy every moment amazing I think when you're just so in something and I think the experience of being in Strictly is like such an extreme example of that and everything you've just described not just being in Strictly but doing your radio show and everything else it's so hard to get yourself out of the the very like visceral moment of something that's yeah. so all consuming. And I just wondered like, if you had any advice for how to do that, because I think it sometimes with this advice, like it's, it's so great. And it, I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. But like literally when I'm feeling super stressed with work or I'm in the middle of like, I've just had a baby or I'm so in something, literally what do I do to get that sort of perspective that you've just so beautifully described you're right so much advice is um in theory great Mm. (laughs) in practice I personally I take myself for many many walks okay every single day um I try and either start or end the day with a walk um and it's my little bit of time that is peaceful and that no one can take away from me no matter what's going on I know that this is how I don't you know I don't have the responsibility of a child I I don't have so many people relying on me and I I think it is I can understand that's more difficult um and I I say this to my mum all the time she's like Victoria I had four children like by not long after your age now but the truth is I, I think it is I think it's possible I'd like to think it's possible to take a walk each day and I would like to continue to do this And I try and list in my head, not think about anything else that's going on, try and list in my head five things that I'm grateful for. It Mm. only has to be five, but sometimes just refocusing and ensuring that you're aware of them because sometimes you forget, you forget the things that have happened that are good, the things to come that are good, the things that you have right now that are good. Just list them and I list list them over and over again. Just keep repeating them while I'm just breathing. I love that. (laughs) Breathing is really helpful. Yeah, like a mantra, like affirmations. Mm. affirmations really really helpful um and you know if there's ever a beautiful landscape around you I just think nature is 
the best thing for our minds, for our mm. well-being. If there's ever a beautiful landscape in front of me, wherever I am, whether it's on holiday, whether it's at my parents' house, whether it's just, I find I find cranes really beautiful. So sometimes walking through <laughs> London, I'll be like, okay, stop. This is where you're going to do your affirmations. This is where you're going to do your gratitude today. Just soak it up, take it in, because look at this world, look at this planet that we live on. Aren't we so lucky? Mm. Oh, I love that. Um, Vic, could you tell me what your second piece of advice is? Yeah, <laughs> second piece of advice comes from my mum and from when I was a little bit younger. And it's hold off shaving your legs because it's going to grow back thicker. Also, don't pluck your eyebrows so thin and straightening your hair will damage it. It's beautiful as it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So um, do you presumably wish that you'd listen to that? Yes, mum knew. That's the thing. When you're that age, um, I, at the time, I must have been somewhere between 12 and 16, or it was repeated many times between the ages of 12 and 16. I was like, shut up, mum. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm going through. And the truth is, she knew fully she actually didn't let me I remember we used to have these shouting matches like I was so upset and so angry because I used to get a bit bullied at school but the boys would make fun of me for having these like hairy legs used to get called gorilla and I was so upset and so angry and was just like mum come on please it's making my life hell not being able to shave them she's like it's gonna grow back thicker it's gonna grow back more stubbly and then of course when I finally was allowed and she was like okay 16 it's okay you can do it you can use a bit of veet it's a bit bit gentler of course it grow back thicker she was right and I wish I just held off because it was basically just down it wasn't even yeah it was down (laughs) um but it's all those things that you kind of have to learn it for yourself and I I now know that everything my mum told me everything she advised me it, it came from such a good place. Plucking my eyebrows. I remember stealing some tweezers from my, either my mum or my dad um, and being in the bathroom and like secretly plucking the little bit in between from my monobrow and turning to the door. Mum was standing at the door. <laughs> and I don't know how long she'd been there silently watching me. And she went, I told you not to do that. And again, it grew back thicker and it was a nightmare and they were absolutely fine to begin with. And look at the trend in eyebrows anyway. <laughs> I didn't need to make them thin. So um, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, your third piece of advice is to not worry about things that you can't control. Mm. I think this is something that we, again, can hear quite a lot and I really like the sound of it and I really like the idea of it, but how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I don't always do it. It's good advice, but the truth is I struggle as well. Mm-hmm. Like whether you're a perfectionist, which I think I am to an extent or not, you want to control stuff. But mm-hmm. the truth is it never works out like that. Yeah, learning, I think it's called like the serenity prayer or something. Um, have the strength to know the things you cannot change, the courage to change the things that you can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. I have spent so much of my life trying to change things that, were out of my control yeah um what kind of things the way other people react to me Mm -hmm. um I think in relationships um you often wish that things would go a certain way that a certain narrative would play out but you can't control someone else's thoughts feelings actions you can't and also you know in in this industry you're constantly seeking validation from people you don't even know. 
And no matter what you do or who you are or how you present yourself, you're not going to please everyone. And I think I spent a lot of time at the beginning thinking that I could mm. and somehow wanting to control that. And that then manifests itself in changing things about yourself that you should be proud of. Um, so mm. I've, I've, I guess as a, as a continuation of that mantra, I've learned to be myself a little bit more, which is so much easier said than done, but realize the things that make you different and special and mm. unique and are interesting and beautiful um, and to embrace them rather than trying to hide them. Things like, like I'm very academic and I was always quite geeky. And I thought when I was coming into this industry that that would not a good youth presenter make. And I would like hide that. I changed the way I looked. I straightened my hair and, you know, all wore a lot of makeup and all these things were not me. And it was as I learned that I can't, control how people view me or what they mm. think of me but what I can do is be comfortable with myself and as a result probably a lot more happy and then probably better at my job so I kind of lent back into me learned to love myself a lot more and yeah realized that actually your geekiness and your sensitivity is what is going to make you quite a warm broadcaster when it comes to shows like Life Hacks on Radio 1 which is all about um, issues affecting young people the fact that you care about that the fact that you're passionate about that don't hide that it's a great thing. The mm. way that you look, it's great because you, if you look a bit different from other people just because you haven't seen yourself represented on TV before, it doesn't mean that you don't belong there. And it, in fact, if, if you are there, you're probably going to open doors for other little girls with mm. mad crazy hair and <laughs> who are a little bit geeky. And it, it, it's great. So I've, I've learned to lean into that um, and to not care so much about what people think about me, the people that um, think you're good at what you do will support you, hopefully, and the people that don't, they weren't going to like you anyway, so yeah. does it matter? It's so interesting that you felt that you needed to kind of hide the fact that you were academic and yeah. you went to Cambridge, right? Yeah. I find that so interesting in terms of like what we maybe expect from women on television and that, you know, you sadly felt that to, in order to break into that world, you had to sort of deny that part of yourself. But I'm so happy to see now that your, you know, your interests, in in literature and how the world works are all informing your career and all of the different projects that you do now yeah and it's really liberating as soon as you realize you can talk about the things that you actually know about and you actually really like mm. the world's your oyster and you worry so much I think we're often pitted against each other as women in this industry and when you realize actually you're allowed to all be different and there's space for all of you or there should be space for all of you you can all fight for each other it becomes very very supportive and liberating and warm and you raise each other up and you also realize that if you're doing this one thing that is just yours you will get the job for doing that because no one else can do it and if you don't get the job for doing that the job was never meant for you mm -hmm. it makes you feel a lot less self-conscious and a lot less on edge and anxious about your value about your worth because you are enough what you are is enough and um yeah learning that has been a real turning point i'd say we are just going to jump to a quick advert but we'll be right back with vic and we're back with Vic and we're hearing her amazing life advice. And her fourth piece of advice is something I'm really interested <laughs> to know what it is, because apparently there are two types of mistakes that you can make on live TV and radio. And you're going to talk to us about how you deal with them. So tell me, what are the mistakes and how do you deal with them? OK, so the wonderful Matt Edmerson told me this um, when I started at Radio 1. 
which is funny because I've been working in TV and radio for a long time up to this point and I hadn't really thought about it. So there are two types of mistake you can make. One is a small mistake that only you and your production team are going to notice. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you've put the mics up too early and there's a little something that's gone over the air or maybe you've put the wrong song in or the wrong sound bed or you've said something slightly different from the auto cue. Those little mistakes are never going to come back. Do you know what I mean? That it's live, it's gone, it's happened. Maybe few people, especially there's a lot of radio geeks out there, um, hats off to them, they notice a lot of things, but they've noticed many that day. It's it's just a blip. Um, you move on, you just move on. You maybe readjust the structure of the sentence if you've messed up the auto cue. You maybe bring the right bed in, you go have a little bit of silence and come back in. It's, it's fine, no one's died. The other type of mistake you can make is one that is so big... <laughs> And so noticeable that you have to make a massive joke of it. You have to bring it to everyone's attention. You labour it. You keep going back to it. It becomes a part of the brand. You you, Maybe someone swore and you have to do an apology. But look, it happens. And it's a moment that people are going to tweet about. I remember I've sworn before and the 14-year-old boys bloody love it. It's fine. Or maybe you have given complete wrong bit of information. It totally changes the terms and conditions of a competition. You have to make a joke of it. The other day, Jordan, we were in the middle of a game on radio, Jordan North, my co-host, and a burp just fell out of his mouth. Like it just fell out. We play that burp over and over again. It's on our it's on our sound cart wall. You you've got to go with it. So don't worry. Remember, I used to if I'd make a little mistake on radio, I used to then think about it for about a week, not Mm. realizing that no one people in their car just think it's a glitch on their own radio. They don't realize it was you. Move on, forget about it, learn from it, try not to do it again. And then the big ones they become radio folklore, and that's a brilliant thing. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It is so interesting. Like what presenting live TV and radio must do to your sense of self and like ability to show up in the world. Like it's such a specific skill um, to be able to handle that kind of intense pressure and like what is going to happen live? How are you going to deal with it? It must just be such a great life skill in general. It might must just make you so much more like adaptable, able to talk to different people, able to just like deal with whatever a social situation throws at you. Is that the case? You'd think so. And I think it possibly is. I have been accused on dates of essentially interviewing them. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. So I think you kind of get quite used to driving conversations. I'm inquisitive. I'm I'm curious. I, I love knowing about people. So I guess that's why I enjoy chatting to people. That's why I enjoy my job. But it's a different mode of communication, ever so slightly. Yeah, when I you're relate in person. to that as a journalist. <laughs> yeah. I relate yeah. to that. I just want to know, though. Yeah. I like want people's stories. <laughs> of course, I love stories. I think of presenting as the opportunity of broadcasting in general and, and writing, you know, having started as a journalist, a print journalist, I think of it as an opportunity to hand a microphone or a megaphone or a pen over to people whose stories need to be told, mm-hmm. deserve to be told. And everyone has a story that needs to be told. I've always said, it's not about me. It's not why I ever started doing this. I started doing this because I love hearing other people's stories or people who are just passionate about something or know about something and you want to put it out into the world. Everyone deserves to have their voice uplifted at some point. And yeah, it kind of leaks into other parts of your life. But it's a, it's, it's a lovely thing. It's a brilliant thing. Um, does it help with pressured situations? Yeah. I would say this about my time at uni. Cambridge was a very specific environment that I didn't always feel comfortable in. 
but I feel very grateful to have had my mind nourished um, in that way, the, the highest level, that stage of my life. But what it really prepared me for, like aside from, you know, study languages, and that's all great, wasn't really, you know, don't use them that much. I'm going to chat about <laughs> Justin Bieber on the radio. But what it really taught me was how to speak to really impressive, mainly white men at the top of their game because that confidence that I did not have before I came out with like all my professors were high flyers and I'd Mm. never been in rooms one-on-one with people like that before and as I gained that confidence I think it, it really prepared me for a job where you're often in a room with someone who could potentially be intimidating Mm. um, and has a, a on paper a level of power over you but you kind of can reclaim that space yeah what would be your tips then for doing that for people listening that um you know maybe haven't had that same academic experience and and are finding themselves in rooms with people that they find impressive or people that they shouldn't necessarily find impressive like the older white man but (laughs) you know there's still that element of intimidation what like what's a practical thing that, that that person can do in that moment to to feel a bit less intimidated by someone? I tend to, before I go in, remind myself why I'm there and it's not to grovel at their feet. It never is. So just remembering that I'm there to do a job or, you know, if it's a social situation, I'm, I have every much, I have as much right as them to be there because we've both been invited into this Mm -hmm. space or we're both going to be enjoying this space um, in whatever form that takes. Just remind yourself, Mm. you're just as good as them. You're just as important as them. Um, Your your place in the world is just as valid as them. Um, And then in conversation, like listening, I I feel like often people think our job is just talking and don't get me wrong, I talk a lot, too much maybe, but um, listening is really great. And it helps you relax for a start because you're taking on board what they're saying. Don't just mm. let it wash over you, but really listen. And it often helps you then pick out the interesting bits of what they're saying to, to whether you're pulling them up on it or whether you're going to mm. um, dig a little bit further or whether you just want to have a laugh about it, something's funny about it. Really listening, um, I think it makes every conversation better. Mm. That's great advice. Thank you. We are now on to your fifth piece of advice and it's about dancing. (laughs) (laughs) What was your, uh, so your advice is that you can dance to anything. As somebody that can't dance, (laughs) I beg to differ, but um, tell me. So this advice is from my dance teachers, Mrs. Clough and Mrs. Turnbull at school. Shout out, represent. They were so great. Yeah, when I was at school, I just loved dancing and I really appreciate everything that those teachers did. I didn't do it as a subject or anything. They just let me come to the dance studio each day and express myself and let it all out. And I just felt better for it because I got very, I was a very stressed kid. I was a very precocious student and um, I worked so hard hard looking back harder than was necessary um, mm. I took extra night classes to get a Spanish A level Did, didn't really need to do that took as many subjects as possible all the extracurricular activities but I wanted to be stimulated constantly um, and dance was my release and it made me so happy and it still does every morning as well as that walk that I try and take I put on one banger whether it's Lizzo or Ariana or Aretha and I just dance like there is no one watching and no one is I live alone and it is three and a half minutes or however long the song is of pure 
unadulterated mm. joy that no one can take away from you, no matter what's going on in your life. It just feels good. So if you don't feel like you can dance as in you don't know the steps to something or the choreo, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's just how it but feels. But I think what I find so hard, and I'd love your advice on this, it's just that element of letting go. You yeah. know, we talked about control and wanting to control things. I think if you're a, a controlled person and you're so used to sort of just keeping everything tight and a certain way and just what you need to do to dance is just like let go of a self-awareness yeah I feel like I'm too self-aware to be able to just completely give myself up to music and just like be in the moment and dance I'm too like oh aware of like how awkward it is that I'm dancing (laughs) like how do you switch that part of your brain off that just allows you to just be rather than think about being do you feel that when you're on your own as well as in company? Yeah, I just right. could, I just wouldn't even do it on my own. I'd be too like, I just too uptight, I guess. I need to like, I don't know, go on like a dance workshop and like get in touch Maybe. with like this part of me because I do see, I do really see the benefit of it. Well, uh, there are loads of really good tutorials and things online. And actually in the pandemic, I found them so handy because I, I I really enjoyed learning steps. You engage a different bit of your mind when you're learning choreography, um, whether mm. you feel you can do it or not. Just trying to it is a really different way of thinking and learning. So maybe trying some of those videos, some of those tutorials that are online. I really like the fitness marshal because it becomes more of a workout than dancing. Okay. And sometimes that helps people feel less conscious because they don't feel like, oh, this is my expression. I'm not putting myself on the line. It, I'm doing it for exercise mm. and uh, although it's dance it's it almost it feels like it serves a, a, a function a little bit more mm. that can help some people if you are just putting on a, a tune like it can go one of two ways some people feel less self-conscious if they close their eyes and they just kind of go for it and it's just a okay, little bit of movement it's not big then yeah, weirdly conversely other people feel less self-conscious if they do it in the mirror and then and they, really yeah and it's like they're dancing with themselves and they're cutting it's kind of funny That's um cute. yeah it's a bit it is but you know, at school, the, the type of dancing we were doing was like often contemporary dance. So it was it was more kind of evoking um, symbols or stories or words, letters, phrases, and um, even sometimes it was kind of part of drama. And I remember mm. once I I was a dancing rock in the Tempest. <laughs> Amazing. I need to see this version of The Tempest immediately. I was was 13 and um, I'm very proud, very proud of that. But dance means so many different things to so many different people. And, you know, I'm even a fan of like the, the, the advice being you can dance to anything. There are just so many modes of physical expression and whether it is all these things we've been discussing or whether it's going to a salsa class, which mm. is more of a social thing. Because I used to live in Argentina and I did a lot of tango while I was out there and they had these things called milongas, which are like social dances. So after you've done a class, you then go to a milonga and you're just all, you know, you're having a drink, you're having some red wine, you're meeting other people, you're with your friends and you just sort of dance together. I love countries that have a really strong and potent dance culture where it's part mm. of society and part of culture um I, I think we'd be different if we had that we don't really in this yeah country, that's, apart what, from that's to clubs. happened to me I'm just such mm. a product of a life of lived in Britain of just so like uptight and, oh, <laughs> I need to go and like totally let let go which brings us on to your final piece of advice which is about hobbies mm. so you say that it's important to always have a hobby alongside your work I love this because I feel like we've sort of forgotten about hobbies in the age of the side hustle 
where it's like whatever you do outside of work also has to be part of your portfolio career. Whereas I feel like hobbies, there's a sort of more of an innocence and like a, a joy in just doing something because you like it rather than it needing to be like a business. Yeah. We're so encouraged to constantly be on the grind, aren't we? Mm-hmm. To like constantly post, I'm working on this and I'm working on this. And you know what? You're allowed to have fun. <laughs> You're mm. allowed to enjoy yourself. We've really attached quite a negative um, association to um, working and doing and that we should always feel a little bit uncomfortable and actually you're allowed to just have a nice time I'm really trying to do that a lot more now and just finding that balance and and what I would say about a hobby and I don't just mean like a creative endeavor or pursuit like Personally, I love to paint. And so I'll, I will, I've got my acrylics and a couple of times a month, I will get them out and get some canvases out and just paint a picture. Or if I'm out and about and see one of these landscapes that I love, I'll, yeah, put, put paint to, to canvas. And it, it's my creative pursuit that I'm not good, but it makes me feel good. Mm. And it just takes my mind away because you have to focus on it. You can't focus on anything else. You have to think only about that. So everything else leaves your mind. But it's a really lovely focus. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be volunteering. When I started, um, I work at a, a project in Hackney called Aquab, which is a support network for refugees in, in East London. And I work with the kids. And when I started that, it was because I was in a really bad place in my career and I was feeling so overwhelmed and feeling so worthless and so on edge. And I forgot why I was doing it and I forgot what I cared about in life. Mm. And I thought, it was actually my boyfriend at the time suggested, he was like, why don't you volunteer somewhere? It'll just be something different for you to do. And you remember how much you care. You know, it's, it's always been a, a cause that's been close to my heart because of um, my mum and, you know, the story she told me of coming across the, the UK when she was 11. So I looked for a refugee project and that became such a brilliantly stimulating and important part of my life and it took my mind off everything else that was going on mm. and I got better at my job because of it because I had this release um, and, I, and I had a purpose I had a sense of purpose and you could see it in the way I carried myself day to day and that sounds very selfish to you know to, to volunteer because it makes you feel better but it's better than doing nothing um, and I also like then met some really great kids who I'm so happy to have hopefully helped in some way in their lives and we all need a bit more perspective, I think, in life. Um, it's exactly what you're saying about the hustle. Like, Actually, the hustle means so little when you realise what a lot of people are going through. Yeah, I love that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your, your advice with us. We've come to the end of your good advice and all that's left is for you to tell us a piece of bad advice. So something that someone has told you, perhaps very well-meaningly, that you have since realised is a load of crap, basically. I was very torn from my bad advice. One of the pieces was to change things about myself at the beginning of my career, but we sort of touched on that already. Um, Another one was about getting two student accounts so I could get the the extras that you get, like the shower radio and that. (laughs) But all that. Wait, what? like bank accounts <laughs> yeah bank accounts oh right because you get like perks with the you always get accounts. a little gift yeah and there was like oh a shower radio or like some top top vouchers <laughs> like I was like, I'll get two but what also happens is you end up with two overdrafts that you max out oh my god it's but horrible... you got a shower radio i got a shower so... radio when have i ever listened to it <laughs> never um i'm gonna say my main piece of bad advice was to get blonde highlights age oh, okay. 18 
Was that from a fellow, a friend that told you to do that? She didn't. She didn't tell me this herself because we we've never actually met. But Beyonce, um, oh, okay. <laughs> your dear friend, <laughs> we're not as close as I'd like us to be. But, but you know, I'd seen her blonde hair and I thought, oh, well, you know, she's we've got a similar complexion. Maybe I can carry it off. Didn't want to go full blonde at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be a bit much. So I got highlights, and they were basically like these stripes in my hair. At the time, I was straightening my hair constantly, and it was oh, really no. damaged. Um, and. I didn't look good and it damaged my hair even further. And, you know, the, the, the hairdresser at the time, he even tried to say, maybe you shouldn't do this. So I can't even blame him. We always used to go to Leeds to get our hair done, me and my mum, when, um, when I was younger, because we didn't have an Afro hairdresser in Newcastle, uh, where I grew up. So we'd take the journey once every few months down to Leeds, make a bit of a day of it. It was always nice. Mm. And the amount of chemicals that they still put on my hair, and I just... My mum tried to tell me, she was always like, no, don't do it. Just let it grow. Just embrace your curls. And I hated my curls because they were different. I didn't know anyone else who looked like this growing up. Mm. And I I really wanted like, you know, straight hair. And oh, I hated how I looked so much. And the first opportunity I got to change that, I was straight on it. And it's crazy looking back because I actually learned to really love how I look and, and work with it and I can't yeah. be well, that was probably part of that journey to yeah kind of you gotta do it you gotta to you gotta go through you. it yeah. to get through it we yeah. all did. i mean i talking of leeds used to get my hair done in leeds because i used to get a free haircut if i went and was a tony and guy quote-unquote model yeah and they, but they do all sorts because i was at union leeds but they do all sorts to your hair like mm. <laughs> some like student hairdresser like I don't know. I looked like a parakeet at one point. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, me too. Join the club. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Vic, it's been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And I think we can all catch you in the summer when your new ITV show hits our screens. Is that right? Yes. It's hopefully going to just be a really warm, positive place. We're going to talk about summer reads, picnic ideas, cocktails and mocktails for your sundowners, basically setting you up for your Sunday to be as bright and beautiful as possible. Mm, I love that. Great. Well, all the best in the meantime and thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Gracia Life Advice. If you know anyone who you think would enjoy this episode, maybe someone who once made a similar mistake with highlights, make sure you share it with them, please. It really helps us reach a wider audience. So we'll see you next time.